and for their being here today. Uh, your PowerPoint's going to be on my left today, so just as the sermon advances, you can look here if you're a person that likes to take notes. Um, you know, this week I had all the intent in the world to preach from Luke 18 about the rich young ruler. And it's a great passage where Jesus engages a man about what it means to enter the kingdom of God. Um, but God just somehow made me restless in my spirit. And, and since we've been kind of interrupted here in our society, I asked God, are you interrupting me? Are you calling me to address kind of what's going on in our society more? And, you know, after just seeking him, I sensed, he was saying, yeah, Nathan, I, I need you to, to preach to the people as far as knowing my care and my love for them. So um, trust that the Lord is at work here. So today I'm going to go to a passage that talks about the Lord's care, his concern for us, his protection of his people, which is forever and eternal. And it's a, a classic passage. It's one that many of us are familiar with. It's one that maybe many of us have memorized. But it reminds us of God's guidance, his goodness, that he has us in his hands, his people. And uh, especially in this time of uncertainty. So if you have your Bible, I would encourage you to open it up to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. And ironically, I preached last week on Psalm 46. So perhaps I'm half the preacher I was last week. I don't know. You do the math. Thank you. I'll be here all week. You know, that doesn't play as well with only nine people here. But anyway. So, this is Psalm 23, a classic. And let's read it together. This is the NIV, the 1984 version. A psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So as we get into God's word today, would you let me just lead us in prayer? So indeed, Lord, you are our good shepherd. And would you... Help us to see all the love and care you have for us that you've revealed in this passage. I pray that you will guide my words and that we would know that you are with us. So take your words, Lord. Encourage us and help us to live them out. And Lord Jesus, it's in your precious name I pray these things. Amen. So, at the beginning of most psalms there is a area of fine print, and this is no exception, we find that this is a psalm of David, Israel's second king. And he knew a lot about shepherding. He spent most of his adolescence as a shepherd. But the psalm reverses itself. 
David says, the Lord is my shepherd. And it's born out of his life experience. A life where he's given victory over a giant with just a sling and a stone. He's anointed to be king of Israel, even while the first king is still alive. He's a war hero. God gives him great victory. He's on the run from his father-in-law as an outlaw. And later on, he goes on the run from one of his own sons. And you know, throughout David's lifetime, he has many near-death experiences. He was a man after God's own heart. But his greatest hope in life was not that he would strengthen his grip on his throne or his political power or his military might. No, his greatest hope was the Lord himself. And that is the hope that we have. He starts out saying, the Lord is my shepherd. Now in our English Bibles, that Lord is capitalized. That denotes that this is God's personal name, Yahweh or Jehovah. This is God's personal covenant name, and he gives each one of us his personal covenant care. He's my shepherd, which is an implication that we're people that need to be led and cared for. And so if the Lord is our shepherd, the implication is that we're sheep. We're his sheep. Now, here's the truth. Sheep are not famous for being really intelligent animals. They need to be led. They are they easy, easily spook. They can become fearful. They need to be brought to a place that's quiet so they can graze, so they can drink, so that they can rest. And sometimes they put themselves in situations that are detrimental to them, to themselves. The bottom line is this, is sheep need a shepherd and they can't do life without him. They need his care. Now perhaps you don't like the thought of being called a sheep. You feel like it's pejorative. You feel like, hey, I can, I can take care of myself. Or I don't like to be led by another. But I'm telling you in this time, especially now, we know we need the care of the shepherd. And the bottom line is we can't do life on our own without him. And here's something I want to say. I, I saw a bunch of familiar faces uh, chime in or log in as we were uh, you know, doing our live feed here. I was looking at the monitor. And maybe some of you are just guests to Brian. And hey, we're glad you're here. But here's what I want to say. The Lord cannot be your shepherd unless you are his sheep. The Lord cannot be your shepherd unless you are his sheep. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ, he came, he lived this life, God in the flesh, and he said of himself in John ten eleven, says, I am the good shepherd. So Jesus is assuming this role from the Psalms. And later on, he would say this in John ten twenty seven, my sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me. And here's my question. Do you yet do you know the Good Shepherd yet? We're going to talk a little bit about that here in a moment. And if you're not sure, I'm going to explain about how you can have the Lord as your shepherd. 
But we're going to continue here in this psalm. So the first thing that we want to point out is the care of the shepherd. The care of the shepherd. And this manifests itself in two areas. First of all is the promise of provision. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. This is a promise of God's care for daily needs and sustenance for us. We may not receive all we want, but he will give us all that we need. You know, what's interesting, here in Rochester even, where we've got stores that have so much of an abundance, I witnessed hoarding. Again, people buying, you know, tons of, of toilet paper. But, you know, what's interesting this week, I was just going out to get some eggs, and every store was out of them. High V, all the quick trips around us, um, you know, Walmart, it's interesting. It's an act of fear and selfishness because there's a fear that I won't have this. On Friday morning, I went out and they had eggs. And there were lots of them. And I was tempted to take more than one carton myself. But I said, you know what, Lord? I want to act in faith knowing that you are indeed my shepherd. So I'm going to take one. And I'm not patting myself on the back, Okay. But I, I wanted to act in faith, saying, I'm going to trust you that you're going to provide for me, for us. And I've experienced that. You know, there was a period where I got released from a ministry through no fault of my own. They just didn't have room for me. And I ended up driving a school bus for a year and a half. And now many of you have heard this story before, but here's the, the thing about this. My salary was cut in half. We had our first daughter, Bailey, and my wife quit her job to stay home and take care of my daughter, Bailey. And so I was working two part-time jobs. And, I mean, there, was, there were times when there was too much month and not enough paycheck. And yet God, through that whole time, provided. There'd be groceries on our back step. We didn't make our need known, but God provided. And God used that time to say, Nathan, I need you to know that I am your shepherd and that I can take care of you. And so, folks, it's in times of need, oftentimes, where God shows his ability to take care of us. You know, God takes his people out into the wilderness for 40 years where there's nothing to show that he can provide. So this is kind of a, a similar situation. And I know some of us have experienced some of the economic downturns of what, what's been going on. And I just want to say this. If the Lord is your shepherd, he will provide. He will take care of you. So that's something we can, we can hold on to. His promise of provision. The next promise of the shepherd's care is the promise of his guidance to restoration. Let's continue on in verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. And again, as I mentioned earlier, you know, sheep, you can bring them to a green pasture, but unless you get them to settle down, they're not going to eat. They need to come to quiet waters, a pool, not a rushing river, because they can't, they get freaked out. They can't drink. It gives us a chance to, to slow down. A time for restoration. And David talks about soul restoration here. He restores my soul, it says at the, end, at the beginning of verse 3. I think what the Lord is doing 
for many of us who know him in this COVID-19 crisis, is he slowing us down? He's making us lie down in green pastures. Making us. Because this wouldn't be our choice, right? we got things to do, places to go, people to see. But he's saying, no, I want you to slow down. And I want you to eat in green pastures. I want you to drink beside quiet waters for the restoration of your soul. The word for restore is the word to return. And I think part of the way that God is working in us is he's asking us to return to him, to we can be restored in him. The process of being returned to him. So now that we're caused to lie down, here's the question. What are we going to feed ourselves with? Is it going to be the junk food of this world, of entertainment, the internet, of amusement? Or is it going to be feasting on, indeed, our good shepherd, who invites us to feed ourselves on him? Psalm 34, 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 63.5 says, My soul be satisfied with the richest of foods. With singing of my lips, I will praise you. And of course, there's always my favorite, Psalm 16.2. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord, and apart from you, I have no good thing. A lot of us have more free time than we used to. What are we going to fill it with? What are we going to feed on? What are we going to let our souls eat, if you will? You know, maybe, maybe this is a time to memorize some scripture. Maybe even memorize this psalm. It's only six verses. Or maybe to re-memorize it. But don't waste this time. Our good shepherd has caused us to lie down. Feast on him. Drink from him from the living waters. It's a time for us to be restored in him. Well, let's continue on. Now we're going to talk about the guidance of the shepherd. This is the second half of verse 3. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, while the shepherd does cause his sheep to lie down in green pastures, he's not calling us to be pasture potatoes just lying there. He wants to lead us forward. He wants to lead us to a place where we need to be. You know, and David is saying this was true of himself. You know, David spent a lot of his time on the run. But it wasn't because of any sin in his life. It was the circumstances that God allowed to come his way through the sinful hand of King Saul. But in this pathway even, he learned to trust the Lord. And God was using that to grow him and make him the king he was calling him to be. To trust him even as king. You know what's interesting about David? He never seeks to guard his throne. He always trusts the Lord to do that. And that's one of the reasons why God calls him a man after his own heart. But here's the point. God does not waste anything, even pain, even difficulty in trials. In fact, we grow more in our character during those times than when things are going really well. 
And you have to trust, I have to trust, that he is using this time to prepare us for whatever is next. He's guiding us in paths of righteousness for his namesake, for his sake, for his reputation and reflection on his character. When people look at you, when they look at me, saying, what difference does it make that you're a follower of Jesus Christ? They need to see that. They need to see that we're trusting him. And my prayer for myself and for all of us during this, you know, this change in how we are doing life right now is not that we would just persevere and get through it as quickly as possible, but that God, God would use us to guide us in what he wants to teach me, what he wants to teach you, and that we would reflect him well during this time. And so, you know, he is guiding us in paths of righteousness for his namesake. But let me say this, paths of righteousness are not always, quote, safe pathways, at least according to our worldly perspective. Corey Ten Boom, a Christian who hid Jews in Holland during World War II, was imprisoned and faced the the imprisonment camps there. And she has written a book called uh, The Hiding Place. If you have a chance to read it, it's a great testimony to how God worked in her life. And there's a time in the book where she and her sister Betsy are, you know, did a close call. And there and and Corey is worried. If, you know, if I hadn't heard you, then, you know, who knows what had happened. But Betsy faithfully responds this. says, Corey, the center of God's will is our safety. safety. Let's pray that we will know it and walk in it. Which leads me to this. The presence of of our shepherd. Verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now the valley of the shadow of death, that's a place of danger. A place of potential harm. And as we walk through this unknown of the COVID-19, it probably feels like that to some of us. But here's where the shepherd promises his presence to be with us. He is with you. He is with me as we trust him by faith. And he's calling us to know that, to operate in that, that we might serve and love others, even in this time where it seems like we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. If we know his presence, that keeps us from being paralyzed by fear. Because he is with us. He said, later on Jesus would say, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He's never going to leave us. So even though we're walking through a path where it just seems dangerous, he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be with you. And here's the truth also. That anything that comes our way, It comes through his good, wise, and loving hands. It can't come to us unless he gives it permission. Oftentimes, again, we're wanting God to take us out of the valley of the shadow of death. He says, no, but I'll be with you. 
I'll be with you. And that's what we can lean on. Jesus, who is our shepherd. Again, maybe he doesn't take us down pathways that seem safe according to this world, but it's the safest place to be. In the book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, where Jesus is a character called Aslan, a great lion. Lucy, as she's finding out about Aslan, she asks Mr. and Mrs. Beaver, a lion? Is he safe? (laughs) And Mr. and Mrs. Beaver answer, no, he's not safe. But he's good. He's good. And that's what we need to know about the presence of our shepherd with us. Okay, and now the imagery shifts from a great shepherd to a great host. But for the outline's sake, we're going to stick with shepherd here. So we're going to talk about the protection of the shepherd. Verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now in Near East culture, when you came to a tent or a house of a great man, you were not only assured of wonderful hospitality, food, a place to stay, um, but also his protection. Even if his enemies, your enemies, were at the door. That's what Lot was doing when he invited the two angels into his house in Luke, excuse me, not Luke, Genesis 19. David, he knew what it was like to be pursued by his enemies, but he also knew the protection of his great shepherd, his great host. And as we look around, maybe you know, we feel like some people are our enemies. And we may have tension relationships with those folks, but God points to the greater enemy of our soul, and that's Satan himself. Ephesians 6.12 talks about our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. So we have a spiritual enemy who's trying to take this situation and act like a roaring lion and make us fearful, make us intimidated, and make us doubt in the care of our great shepherd. But our enemy is not equal to that of our great shepherd and his protection. And the fact, he is subject to our great shepherd. Martin Luther would say, yes, he's the devil, but he's God's devil. Meaning he could only go as far as God would allow. And that was always for God's good purposes and what God wants to accomplish. And he can do nothing without God's permission, and he can do nothing but watch us eat. We need to know that God is protecting us and holding us. Next, this imagery of this great host continues as we experience the blessing of the shepherd. He says in the second half of verse 5, You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Now the concept of anointing your head with oil, that's probably gone, you know. People don't use Grecian formula anymore or, you know, Brill Cream. If if you have used that product, well, then uh, you're a product of the 20th century. 
But here's the thing. The concept was this, you know, hygiene during that time was not the same. And so, you know, people didn't bathe regularly. So if you were received off a dusty road with all the smells that go with it, you would be offered fragrant oils to put in your hair and on your body. And it was an expression of favor, of generosity, of acceptance. And our great shepherd is graciously welcoming us, accepting us, wanting to express favor, pouring upon us his best. And from our Heavenly Father's hand, that ultimately is in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, my cup, he continues on saying, my cup overflows. With our great host, the cup is never empty. It will never stop. I love Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14, and I'm not going to read them today, but if you have a chance to check them out, it's amazing because it just talks about how God has lavished grace upon us over and over in Christ Jesus. It's one of my favorite verses. That's on the kind of a high level in our position in Christ. But let's take it to the everyday. You know, Psalm 103 we sang earlier, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. And it talks about not forgetting any of his benefits. And in verse 5 it says, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like an eagle. I want to tell you every day, you and I experience little blessings that we just take for granted. You know, most of us have a house over our a roof over our, our heads, food on our table, a hot shower. I mean, those are blessings that we take for granted. We have family. You're probably sitting with family right now. Being together, that is a blessing that God has given you. And even the technology to do this, this is amazing. If we did this, well, if this happened more than 10 years ago, this probably wouldn't be happening. And frankly, we haven't done anything amazing. We just got a couple iPads, plugged it into our, our soundboard. We didn't buy anything new to make this happen. But God has blessed us with this. Indeed, our cup runs over because of his goodness to us. And most of all, in our Lord Jesus Christ. And then the last thing I want to talk about is the exchange of the shepherd. Now, I'll need to explain this, but let's just look at it. It says, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. A great exchange of our shepherd. Number one, no longer will we be pursued by our enemies, but will be pursued by goodness and mercy, or goodness and love, which is the Hebrew word chesed, which is God's covenant love that is dependent upon Him, dependent upon His character. That pursues us. That word that follow, says follow, it, it, in, in the Hebrew, it really is the word pursue. It's like a posse that chases us all the time. If God is your good shepherd, his goodness and mercy are pursuing you. 
even on your worst days, even when you get the worst news, His goodness and His love are pursuing you. You need to know that. That's something that you need to hide deep in your heart. That's something I need to hide deep in my heart. How does that strike you? To know that it's constantly pursuing you. And second of all, he says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The great exchange is, and this happens mostly in Jesus, as you become a member of the household. You see, being a guest is nice, but it's temporary. It's precarious. <laughs> Maybe the host gets tired of you. But when you're part of the family, it's permanent. It's secure. And this is a promise of being in His presence forever. Forever. And this is the great exchange that Jesus, the good, good shepherd, came to bring. He says this in John 10, 10 through 11. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And then let me read the, the words I read earlier from John 10, 27 through 28. He says, My sheep listen to my voice and I know them. And they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. And no one can snatch them out of my hand. You know, if you're not sure that you are one of God's sheep, the Lord's sheep, this can change for you. Because this is why Jesus came. He came to live the life that we couldn't live a perfectly pleasing his heavenly father, our heavenly father. And then he laid down his life as the good shepherd for us sheep who wandered our own way. Scripture says, you know, all of us like sheep have gone astray. All of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has laid the iniquity of us, of us all upon him. That's why Jesus died on the cross to take upon himself the just punishment that I deserve, that you deserve. But then he rose from the dead to give us the life that we don't have in ourself. And let me say this. He is inviting you to become one of his sheep. The scripture says this in John chapter 1, verse 12. But as to as many as him that received him, that is, put their faith in him, those who believe in his name, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. You can go from being a stranger to being a child of God, to being one of his sheep, if you will. Now, I want to say that this ought not be done lightly because that means that we're saying we're asking Jesus to lead us. We're asking him to be in the driver's seat when we put our faith in him. But it's where life is found. I think many of us have lived life and find that the things of this world, they ultimately leave us empty. 
And Jesus says, I've come to give you life and give it to the full. And that doesn't have to wait till after this life. It starts in this life. There's nothing more amazing and adventurous than to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not always easy, but it's the best life possible. And if we are in Christ, then this is a great reminder that you have life and no one can snatch you out of his hands. No one can take that away. And when this life is done, there's nothing that can be done to remove you out of his presence. And to be in his presence is a greater reality than this. And it's a better reality than this. That's why the psalmist says, your love is better than life. The good shepherd. When our days are done, he will guide us home to be in his presence. All that is because we are his. So as I invite the worship team up here, I just want to remind you that the Lord is a good shepherd. A good shepherd to care and provide for us. A good shepherd to give us guidance, to lead us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. A good shepherd that is present with us, never leave us nor forsake us. He will protect us, and he is a good shepherd that blesses us and has exchanged his life in order that we might have his life. These are great things that we need to hold on to. Let me pray for us, and then the worship team will close us today. So Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are our good, great shepherd. And Lord, if there's somebody today who needs to put their faith in you for the first time, I pray you'll give them grace to understand that without you, Lord Jesus, they don't have life. And to understand that you were in their place on the cross. And right now, you hold out an invitation for them to put faith in you. Lord, I'm reminded of your word. That God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so if you're that person today, would you just say, Lord Jesus, I need you. Forgive my sins. I trust in all that you've done. In living a life I couldn't live. Dying a death and paying a penalty I couldn't pay. And giving me life as I trust in you. I pray you be working in hearts today, Lord. And for those of us who know you, Lord, would you help us to anchor our hearts in this truth, that you are our good shepherd. You're with us, you protect us, you'll provide for us, and we have a glorious future. And we don't have to walk in fear. So thank you for this time to worship you. Thank you for this time to get our eyes fixed on you. And I pray that the truth of this passage would take root in our lives and it would bring forth fruit. Fruit that will last forever. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this. And it's in your name I pray these things. Amen.